The Leach Report Radio Network is on the air with the voice of the Wildcats, Tom Leach. This is where the Big Blue Nation comes for the latest news and views on the Cats. The show is served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. Interact with the show now by tweeting at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. Call us at 877-904-1080. Now, the voice of your Wildcats, Tom Leach. Hello, everybody. Friday edition of the Leach Report for the Clark's Pump and Shop Studio in Lexington. Game weekend for the Wildcats as they will play tomorrow against the Florida Gators at Rupp. We'll talk about that more with Mike DeCourcy in the second half of our show. He's our college basketball expert who joins us every Friday. But we're going to lead off with some college football, Kentucky football specifically, and new Wildcats offensive coordinator Liam Coet will join the program to uh, get a little insight into where he is in his prep for his first spring practice with the Wildcats. So that's our guest lineup for today as we roll into the Wildcat news of the day. UK women with a big win last night at number 17, Georgia, 62-58. to Puts Kentucky in the driver's seat for a top-four seed at next week's SEC tournament and a double bye. Kentucky's 9-5 and in the league. Tied with Georgia in the standings now, but obviously owns the tiebreaker and 16 and 6 overall for the Wildcats. And Ryan Howard was just spectacular. 27 points. Kentucky had a a big lead. Georgia came back to make it a one possession game. And Howard, um, there was a a point, I think it was a three point game, and she hit uh, what Coach Cal's been referring to a lot as a dagger of a three off the left wing to push the lead from three back out to six. And um, even though Georgia hung in I, I thought that was the the real decisive blow for Kentucky so just a, a huge game for Ryan Howard and uh, Kentucky's had some issues winning away from home but this was a nice victory for the Wildcats and gives them a, a chance I think to be a, a top four seed for the NCAA tournament and depending on how they finish in the SEC tournament next week maybe even higher than a four. But the last bracket, I think, had them projected as a four, so they lose at South Carolina. But getting this win at Georgia, who was projected as a higher seed in the NCAA tournament, means that uh, Kentucky has put itself in a really, really good spot for next week as well as for Selection Sunday. Tomorrow, the Kentucky men get uh, round two with the Florida Gators. Back on January the 9th, Kentucky won in Gainesville 76-58, to shooting 56% from the field. <coughs> Excuse me. Florida shot 38% and had 16 turnovers in that game. So can Kentucky do it again and make it a fourth consecutive win, which would be the longest streak of the season? It's going to be senior day as they honor Olivier Saar, Davian Mintz, and Riley Welch, uh, even though... Uh, they could all conceivably come back next season. There's been some talk that Mintz might take advantage of that. And even though there's still another home game, because that was just added yesterday. Uh, so you just roll with the punches this year. They've added one makeup game, not two, just one in the league, with South Carolina at Kentucky on Saturday, March 6th. We don't yet know the game time or the TV network for it. But the SEC yesterday announced uh, a group of games that will be played on the 6th and then one game, Florida-Tennessee, that will be played on the 7th, which could be um, noteworthy for Kentucky as the Wildcats try to play their way up into a top-four slot for the SEC tournament. Bit of a long shot, but 
They're at seven and seven in the league right now, so the the best they could finish would be ten and seven. Um, Ole Miss is ahead of them, but they could take care of Ole Miss because they play them on Tuesday. But you've got uh, Tennessee at nine and six, and the Vols have games uh, at Auburn and then home against Florida left. Then you've got Florida and LSU at eight and five. So Kentucky could hang a loss in the Gators tomorrow. Then Florida will host Missouri and play at Tennessee. And then LSU is a bit of a tough schedule because they're nine and five, but they go to Arkansas, host Vandy, and then go to Missouri, which is seven and seven and tied with Kentucky. And Mizzou has a road game against Florida and a home game against LSU to close it out because their game with A&M this weekend got postponed. So, uh, I think still a long shot for Kentucky to get a top four, but there's a chance if they can keep winning uh, because of uh, how the rest of the league will play out. It's just that some of the tiebreakers, uh, for instance, if Kentucky and Tennessee ended up tied, uh, Tennessee would have the advantage because they've only lost to Alabama once, where Kentucky lost to them twice. And, of course, they split the, the season series. Nashville's health department has approved 20% capacity for uh, the Bridgestone Arena at the SEC tournament. That means about 3,400 fans. The note I saw said schools will get to, uh, tickets to sell uh, to their fan base, um, but there's not going to be a lot. And you've got family members, staff, uh, donors, etc. So I don't know if there will be any for the uh, for the general public or not. We'll see. Um, the other thing I'm wondering is, are you required to buy the whole book as usual, or is it just a game-by-game game deal such that by the time you get to the championship game that each school would uh, get considerably more tickets? So don't yet know the answer to that. This just uh, came out yesterday. And Randolph Morris, former Wildcat, has been indicted for wire fraud. This is for allegedly not reporting $13 million in income from uh, games he played in China. Links to the stories that we talk about can be found on the Bud Light Leach Report page at TomLeachKY.com. It's a nice Friday. Glad you're with us. Our show is served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. Coach Liam Cohen joins us when we come right back. It's the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. Coming up next, it's Kentucky Sports Radio with Matt Jones. It's the Leach Report, 16 past the top of the hour on this Friday edition of our program. A couple of uh, notes for the weekend. The U.K. volleyball match against Texas A&M, or matches, have been postponed. It's a COVID issue on the A&M side. Um, They've got all kinds of problems there because the basketball team has uh, had a mess of a time with uh, the coronavirus, and now volleyball too. And then U.K. baseball has a home mat, or home game scheduled today. Starts a series with Milwaukee, actually. Uh, first pitch today at 4 p.m. Eastern. Darren Hedrick will be on the call on the U.K. radio network. Uh, Dick Gabriel and uh, Doug Flynn on the TV side on, uh, I guess it's ESPN Plus or SEC Network. Um, anyway, that's today at 4 o'clock as Kentucky looks to go to 2-0 and on the season. And 2021 shooting guard Brandon Pazinski has cut his list of schools to five, and Kentucky is one of the five. Uh, Big-time uh, shooting guard prospect out of Wisconsin that uh, anybody that's a, a good shooter 
Kentucky fans would love to see Cal land them. So keep your fingers crossed for Brandon Pazinski. Uh, we go to the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline. Bring on Coach Liam Cullen. Coach, how you doing? Good. How's it going? Doing well. Settled into Lexington? Uh, yeah, I'm getting settled in. I mean, it's a little bit better now that I can see the grass. <laughs> um, it's a little bit better now. So um, it's been great, though. The people, community's been phenomenal and just um, – it's, it's been really a pleasant surprise, to be honest with you. Well, let's jump right into uh, talking football. And, um, you know, you, you don't get to get them on the practice field for a little while longer. But what have you been able to do and, and see to prepare for, you know, hitting the ground running when the practices get started? Yeah, I think we, we I came in and we did a pretty thorough personnel evaluation um, with the staff and, and just really diving into the personnel because at the end of the day, I have opinions and, and things and philosophies that I would like to instill and, and, and do here. But if it doesn't match or fit our personnel, then um, it's probably not the best fit. So I just wanted to really evaluate the personnel and see what we had and um, and dive into that aspect. And then from there, um, we just started to get into some overall just concepts with the players and instilling how we want to run the football, how do we want to throw the football, techniques, fundamentals, watching the film, watching the Rams film, spliced in with some of their film to try to show them some of the proper techniques and fundamentals that we'd like to use moving forward. And then um, just jumping in the meeting rooms as much as possible with the NCAA limitations that there are. Um, it's harder on these kids. You know, it's a lot less time that we're able to meet with them and, and, and get in with these guys. But um, it's been great to be around the kids and, and to get to know them a little bit. Versus what you would ideally in a perfect world like to be able to to install and now what you've seen in terms of personnel, how close do you think uh, those two lines come to intersecting? I think they come very close, specifically in the run game. Um, we're big up front. We're big. We've got a running back that, uh, and a number of backs, but specifically talking about Chris Rodriguez, that I think can, can run some of the, the, the concepts we'd like to run in the run game, getting downhill on people, um, mixing up some a little bit of uh, the outside stretch run game mixed in with some of the power run game that we'd like to be able to instill to get downhill on some people. Um, you know, Josh Ali's been a great person to be around. I, I, his his tape matches how he is as a person and how he practices or goes about his business. Um, quarterbacks have been great so far. And I think one thing that you look at probably from Los Angeles to, to here is we were so much under center in Los Angeles, and, and we would like to be some of that here. But um, a lot of these quarterbacks have never taken a snap under center before, really. I mean, in games. Um, you know, talking to Joey Gatewood, like he's never taken a snap under center in a game, really, like ever. Even in Pop wow. Warner, <laughs> never in high school. Now he's been doing it. They've been doing it here at Kentucky in practice over the last – uh, a couple, you know, over the last year. So they've gotten some reps at it, but 
just thinking about moving forward, hey, time on task, right? Time on task. What can we actually, what do we have enough time to practice? And is it worth um, the amount of time we need to, to practice it in order to get what we want out of it? Yeah, so you've got to decide with your you know, limited practice time, um, yeah. you know, how much can you spend on, on one thing when you've got a lot to do? Yeah, exactly. Like, there's a lot of time that is invested in taking a snap under center, running the foot, you know, handing the ball off. I mean, it sounds elementary to us, but it's so much more natural for these kids to take a shotgun snap and hand the ball off or to take a drop from the shotgun or the pistol or whatever it is, it's a lot more natural for them. And there's other things we need to focus on, right? Like you mentioned, there's a plenty of things that we need to um, get better at just in terms of uh, fundamentals technique and, and then concept understanding. So it's really, you know, right now we don't have a football, so I can't truly judge um, whether – that's something we can do or not enough, but I believe it's something we'll be fine at. It's just how much can we do? I'm talking with Liam Cullen, UK's uh, new offensive coordinator. Spring practice will be starting here uh, before too long. You come from uh, the Rams organization, and so I think the natural thought is that uh, we'll see a lot of the the concepts that uh, you guys were running there. But are there other influences in your coaching career that you may work into the system you want to install here? Oh yeah, I mean, there, it's it should look pretty similar. Um, there's obviously some things about the college game, specifically um, the field dimensions, right? So um, the NFL field, the game is basically played in the middle of the field all the time because of the hashes. Right. But in the college game, the hashes are so wide that. When you form, you know, every all the defenses are formation are field and boundary driven. Um, so now that allows you to attack defenses, a from the field and the boundary, putting the formation into the boundary, unbalanced. All that kind of stuff now comes into play where you can't even do unbalanced formations in the NFL. It's illegal. So there's. A number of different things that I think the college game presents um, some opportunities to attack defenses a little bit differently. Um, so I think you'll see probably a mix of what we did in Los Angeles with probably a little bit more some some spread stuff, some spread college football um, formations and ways that you see Alabama attacking people or you know, Florida attacking people in the SEC. Missouri's done a nice job watching them on tape as well. Um, it'll probably be a mixed bag, but I do believe our core concepts and philosophy will, will, will stem from the Rams. I had a listener, uh, Ryan, want me to ask you about the, the verbiage that you'll require of your players, quarterbacks, I guess, specifically. It can be pretty verbose in, in an NFL setting with the play call. Uh, how does that change for college? Do you have to simplify it a lot? I wonder if Ryan's the guy that keeps tweeting at me to not have lengthy terminology. Probably so. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen the tweets, but I'm guessing I would guess that. <laughs> I'm, I'm guessing so, which is great. You know, it's it's great that the guys, the fans, and people are are understanding of that. So, um, 
yeah, obviously we will not be as verbose as, as some of this stuff can be, but we, we weren't like that in Los Angeles. You know, we, we were, we had a lot of code words and, and things were trimmed down. The, the whole point of the lengthy terminology in the NFL is because you need to essentially tell everybody what to do because of free agency, because of people coming into your system. You might have a wide receiver that uh, gets hurt and you have to sign one off the streets on Tuesday, and he needs to play on Sunday. So that's why you have to say, hey, double right, Z short, you know, jet protection, you know, pressure, F pressure or F sale, Z drive. You need to tag things because they ultimately have to play on Sunday. So if you just said that play equals Miami or Florida, well, how the heck are they supposed to memorize all that conceptually in a week? So that's the point of the tags and the terminology being a little bit lengthy is because you have to tell people what to do essentially in order to be able to function with some of the roster restraints and things like that that you have. We will not be that uh, lengthy whatsoever. Um, and that's the beauty of doing this thing um, from scratch is, is we were able to, as a staff, put our um, you know wrinkle on things and, and do it how we feel was was best for the players here at Kentucky and um, don't worry it won't be too long I promise well we'll uh, we'll cut you loose there we won't we won't uh, we'll give you a little time before we ask you who the starting quarterback's gonna be since you haven't had practice yet <laughs> but uh, thank you for jumping on with us and we'll talk more as we get into the spring thank you sir all right sounds good guys I really appreciate it as Liam Cohen the new OC for Kentucky football we'll be right back it's the leech report radio network Here in the halfway point of this Friday edition of the Leach Report. Uh, fun to visit uh, with Coach Cohen, so we'll get him back on uh, later in the spring once he's had a chance to see his guys out on the practice field. A big race this weekend on the Kentucky Derby Trail, the Grade 2 Fountain of Youth down at Gulfstream. And I'm going to try to beat the favorite uh, with Prime Action, who was uh, the favorite last time, but Greatest Honor just swept by him. But Greatest Honor has a lot more experience or had at that time than Prime Action, who I think is going to benefit from his previous experience and maybe get the win tomorrow. We'll be right back. You're tuned to Talk Radio 1080 and The Leach Report. And visit TomLeachKY.com for more news and views on the Cats. Second half of The Leach Report for this Friday. And we are working to land Mike DeCourcy here in just a moment from Sporting News, Fox Sports, and the Big Ten Network, and uh, lots of college hoops to talk about with uh, the Cats playing better in a big game tomorrow against Florida. And then the upcoming conference tournaments, Championship uh, championship Week has actually already started. Um, it's like a championship week and a half, I guess. Um, the Horizon League, I think, got started yesterday. And uh, Brad Calipari's team, Detroit Mercy, uh, got a win uh, last night and advanced. Uh, and Kentucky could be looking to land a game with, I don't know if it would be Detroit Mercy if they're knocked out of their tournament or somebody else, but uh, Kentucky may try to land a game uh, next week to add to their uh, schedule. As we bring Mike DeCourcy on, 
via the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline. And, Mike, we'll just start there since Kentucky, you learned yesterday, it's going to pick up one SEC makeup game a week from tomorrow. Uh, and then I think they would like to add a, another game maybe on Thursday against a non-conference opponent. If they could win them all tomorrow at Ole Miss Tuesday, a game on Thursday, and then the South Carolina game, if the game Thursday happened, that could get them to 12 and 13. They won them all. So if they played on Thursday at the SEC tournament and made it all the way to the championship game and then didn't win the championship, they'd have a 15-14 and 14 record at that point. And that's a lot of hypothetical and ifs and ands, but uh, it's, uh, you know, it's something fans talk about. So could Kentucky get into the uh, at-large discussion under such a circumstance? Uh, if, they, if they were sitting there, see, the problem that they have is that I guess that I guess the committee would have to be looking at a hypothetical of of Kentucky. Like, if they lose, would they get in? They, right. That would they they would, and so they, that would really drag out their uh, their their proceedings. Well, that's a good point too. They would they they're by the time if if the SEC stays on the traditional schedule for the conference tournament, that means that their championship game would end about three on Selection Sunday, give or take. Uh, and that's I don't I don't know whether well I mean I, I suppose they could have a contingent bracket actually couldn't it speed it, speed it up if they're at that point they'd be fifteen and thirteen and if you just say they're in either way and they're going to be in the first four right they could do that uh, it, I you know I'm I'm remember they couldn't do that because you can't be in the first four if you're an automatic qualifier oh that's, that's right an, that Good that's point. an alert so they would have to have a contingent bracket for. Uh, for Kentucky as an at-large in the first four and Kentucky as an AQ in whatever line they put them on. Um, I, I mean, I, I, I would say that it would put them in the discussion if they could do that. I suspect they'd be in the discussion and, and come up short because yes. if they had one good non-conference win um, – but you, know, you, you, it's actually you'd, you'd have the have would have made the best argument under that scenario because of who they played in their seven non-conference games versus the seven a lot of other people chose to play. Um, that's the you know the argument one uh, would be one of the arguments in in their favor under such a scenario. But I think without any non-conference win of note, it would be uh, hard to make the the case. But if I'm a defense attorney for Kentucky under that scenario, I'd make the case. <laughs> Of course, and, and and they they certainly have they certainly have shown they have the capacity to play at that level. And, and yes, I I, I I did an interview a half hour ago, and and uh, the the question was about would it are we looking at Kentucky and and just you know being impressed because of how horrible they were before or dreadful or whatever the verb whatever the modifier they used, and 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 my. Point was they've not, with the exception maybe of Georgia Tech and one other game, haven't hasn't been much horrible. No, in Kentucky. That's been the thing that they that they just haven't been quite good enough on so many occasions. And so I I think that it it, it does it for one it does open the door that that it shows that they, that they've continued to fight and continue to improve, and it and as well it shows that they are dangerous. In the SEC tournament, this is not an eight and thirteen team, a typical eight and thirteen team going down to Nashville. Uh, they're much better than that. They have played with some of the best teams in the country. They played Alabama tough the second time uh, uh, at, at home. Uh, 
and and actually, I'm sorry, that was on that was uh, that was the that was the road game. They played them tough, and right. the final score looks ba- looks not great, but you know they were right there. Uh, they've beaten Tennessee on the road. That's a you know that's going to be a four five seed ballpark. They lost by Arkansas. They lost Arkansas by one point on a you know a shaky call at the end. Uh, and and that's a right now trending to a four five or six seed. Uh, so they've been right there with a lot of teams. They they drilled Florida on the road. That's a team that's right in the eight nine range. Uh, beat LSU at home right in the eight nine range and beat them pretty handily. So they've they've played with every good team in this league, and so it, it, now they would theoretically have to play four of those type games in a row. But I don't, you know, now that they've gotten a little momentum, uh, you know, with the with the Auburn, Vandy, and Tennessee wins, uh, one could see them continuing on and doing that. Let's talk about another hypothetical that um, they lose one of these conference games, or they they lose out somewhere in the conference tournament, and they're Two or three games under five hundred. Uh, could you see them still making their way to the to an NIT? You know, it's interesting uh, because they have said that they are not going to hold hold to any of the typical norms. Like they're not going to be bound by them, which isn't to say they won't still, in the back of their minds, or still be uh, oriented toward the two game over five hundred. Never been a never been an at large under that. That I mean, in the history of the sixty fourteen tournament, which goes all the way back to eighty five. Never been a, 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 an at-large under that, that, that had a poorer record than two not, games over five. I'm talking about NIT, not NCAA. yeah. I know. I'm just okay. saying that, that because it's it's basically the same concept oh. uh, that you know the norms that they have in the past, and so if they're not going to hold to those norms for the NCAA tournament necessarily, which is their showpiece, which is their billion-dollar product, then certainly they wouldn't be bound to them for the NIT. It, it, you know, at that point, it might be something that would create interest in the NIT to have a Kentucky team that we know is really talented and we know has not given up on the season, that has continued to try to perform. So it's not like uh, they're, they're putting them in to come out and, you know, and, and sort of say, well, we're Kentucky, what do we do in the NIT? I, I think if you did that, if, if that, if that's what it came to, I think Kentucky would go out and give a good account of itself. I think they, they have the, this team has some pride. Doesn't mean they'd necessarily win it. It might not even win one game, but they would they would be they would compete in the game that they played. So I, I think it is possible that if they do reasonably well and get their record at least in the five hundred neighborhood, that if even if that they were under that five hundred line, that they could still get in. Chat with Mike DeCourcy, SportingNews.com. Uh, does the brackets for Fox Sports college basketball coverage. Uh, you see him on the Big Ten Network too, and on Twitter it's at TSN Mike. We'll take a break. And come back and uh, talk a little more about Kentucky and the matchup with Florida tomorrow and uh, some other things as we move through this Friday edition of the Leach Report. Look for the Leach Report on Facebook. Show updates, contests, and other cool stuff. Check it out today. Back to the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline and our visit with Mike DeCourcy from SportingNews.com at TSN Mike on Twitter. And uh, Mike, Kentucky 
is in a position where they have won three straight, culminating with a big road win over Tennessee last Saturday. Back on the 9th of January, they were in that same spot where they'd won three straight, culminating with a big road win over Florida. But I've said this week that this where they are now feels different than then. You kind of thought, well, maybe this is a breakthrough then. It feels more like they've made a significant move now than then. You agree? Well, yeah, but even if you felt um, that there was a breakthrough coming then, I mean, they really did start to play pretty well, even in the stretch that followed that. I mean, Alabama, they went down, they got hammered, but Alabama was great. And, and that was at Alabama absolutely at its probably its best game of the year, so no big deal. And then they played at Auburn and, and weren't great, but they were in the game and, and at Georgia, and they should have won, and, and, but they hadn't had the experience of winning that game late and, and broke down. Uh, so I, 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 think that, I think this all is kind of of a piece, that really since, since conference play began, there have been two things. One is fighting through and trying to learn how to win, which they've started to do, learn how to win late, really. Uh, and then the other part of it is to, to base, basically they have played about as difficult an SEC schedule as one could conjure. Uh, they, they have played all the challenging teams, uh, in, in many cases multiple times, Alabama, Tennessee. Uh, they've played in, in a, a lot of difficult road circumstances. Uh, uh, Auburn, obviously, a, a place that's always been tough for them to play. Uh, it, it's, it's been about as challenging. You know, they haven't been overstuffed on Texas A&M's and Bandy's. I mean, I guess they've played Bandy twice, but they haven't, you know, there, there haven't been a lot of that on their plate. And so... You know, and here comes Florida for a second time as well. And, and, and in an ordinary year, that's exactly what John would want um, because uh, pl- playing all those A-level games in the league would empower their, their seeding and, you know, from a, maybe what, what might be a record, a certain record might get you a four or five, but because you played all these really good teams in the SEC and you have that record now, maybe you're a two or a three. But this particular year, it wasn't right for this team because they'd already played such a difficult schedule in the non-conference, and it all just added up to be too much for them. They've uh, also developed here lately a, a kind of a hard-to-guard guy in Isaiah Jackson. He's uh, become very effective. He's shooting a high percentage around the bucket. And now uh, last week we saw him even uh, more so playing out facing the basket a little bit, you know, pulling Fulkerson away, blowing by him for a spectacular dunk. And uh, his confidence seems to be soaring at the moment. Uh, I really love what he's become. I, I think he's got great potential. I mean, if he, if he returns to play as a sophomore, I think you're talking about a guy that could be looked at as an All-America candidate and a, and a candidate to, to go very high in the draft. Uh, I, I, I think he's, he's made great strides in being comfortable on the floor and understanding his role and understanding what, what, he, what he can accomplish against opponents. Uh, the first third of the year, first half of the year, he really struggled with, with what he was capable of doing against college-level defenses, but has started to understand that. Uh, I saw where South Carolina got its ruling on uh, probation uh, for um, the big investigation that was launched by the attorneys up in uh, New York a few years back. Um, Oklahoma State has uh, appealed their ruling. Are they safe, do you think, for at this point, it's so late to to be, you know, would they, would they or would the NCAA still pull the rug out from under them? Yeah, you know, it, 
it, it, we, we're now, what, three weeks away from Selection Sunday or less than that. And, and so it, it feels like it would take uh, a, a miraculous buzzer-beating shot to take them out now. Uh, and it would be un, uh, unnecessarily cruel because, honestly, I, I wrote at the time that, that they got their penalty back in July, I think it was, maybe June, that I thought that the infractions committee had been excessive. And basically the same things so to speak, happened at South Carolina that happened at Oak State. It, I think it was the same guy. Uh, and so uh, for one team to not get a tournament penalty and for the other team to get one seems unnecessary. And so I, I am very hopeful that the committee won't, not the committee, the, the uh, appeals committee won't make a late, decision I, I think they're pretty safe but you know if i'm oak state i'm not i'm not feeling comfortable until my name's on that bracket uh, it's hard enough to win your way in but to have that uh, over your shoulder the entire time it has to be unnerving to an extent we know that you know gonzaga baylor maybe michigan are, are on a, a tier it seems like above the the rest who's somebody that uh, people aren't paying enough attention to now or or more than one you know, it, it's interesting. I think the the number one team that's not getting enough attention is Florida State. Part of that is because they've not been on the floor a lot. Uh, they you know they haven't played as many games as some others, uh, and they and the, and the SEC is so down that there aren't as many opportunities for them to say, "Hey, look at us." I mean, they went out and beat uh, Virginia by twenty or so on a on a big Monday uh, two three weeks ago. And it seemed to have very little influence on a lot of the other mock bracketers. Uh, it seemed to have very little influence on the polls. Uh, gradually, because of others continuing to lose, Florida State's starting to climb for a lot of people. I, I've had them as a three. Uh, I, I've had them higher than most for a while. But that's the team, to me, that's really hard to play. They've got playmakers all over the floor. They, they, can, they can make threes. They've got some guys around the basket to, to defend the rim. They don't have that guy, in, 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 or at least they don't have established that guy late in games. Who is it? Who do you give the ball to to try to get a bucket? they got probably four guys they could do, and maybe that's an advantage, but uh, it, it always has felt like knowing who that guy is and knowing he's been through that before is an advantage. But if that's what I'm complaining about when I look at a team – uh, it's a pretty good team. And uh, back to Kentucky, Florida tomorrow. Gators come off a, a big win against uh, Auburn. We had Pat Dooley on yesterday. He said he didn't think they were really as impressive as the score suggests because Auburn didn't have Sharif Cooper. Uh, right. What do you make of where the Gators are coming into this matchup with Kentucky tomorrow? Well, I, I think that the first thing is that they've done a really nice job, probably an unheralded job, coming back off of losing Keontae Johnson. I, I don't think it's all, it's universally appreciated even in Gainesville. Uh, I was on with Steve Russell down in Gainesville yesterday, and, and it's the second consecutive time he brought up to me uh, that there are people who are complaining about Mike White. And I'm like, man, he, he lost a 20-point score in, his, in the fourth game. And, and, now, and they're still in the hunt, and they're right in the, you know, they're right in the 8-9 range. I, I don't really understand what the concern is, but they've played really well last two times out. I know Sharif didn't play in that game, and that's true, but they also took out Georgia, a team that's become very dangerous lately. 
they've and, and of course they were coming off a, a pause uh, or or, a, or an interruption that may not have been their circumstance, but they they had two games wiped out when when they went to Arkansas. Uh, and so they didn't play well out there, but Arkansas right now is one of the better teams in the country. So I, I really like where Florida is. I mean, they're not as talented as they were when they had Keontae, and that's a problem. But I think Trey Mann's done a really nice job for them. Colin Castleton, who uh, was at Michigan, uh, they're getting a ton out of him for a transfer that I, I, I think Michigan always looked at as as basically a career backup and. Uh, he, he made he made the right move, and it worked out for them because they recruited Hunter Dickinson. But he's been an effective presence at the rim. Uh, he's been a, a very capable scorer, a regular double-figure guy. He's not an, uh, an overwhelming force on the boards, but they do a pretty good job of team rebounding so they don't get pounded there. Uh, it, it's, a, it's a good, solid basketball team. It, it's not a great team, uh, not a team that's likely to – like. If if they wind up in the eight nine game that they are probably suited to now, uh, they're not going to be the one to take out Gonzaga or Baylor. That's just not going to happen. Uh, but they are but they are having a very respectable season under what uh, you know would have would have finished a lot of teams when, when you lost a player as great as Keontae. Mike, thanks much. We'll talk next Friday. Okay, thank you. This is Mike DeCourcy from SportingNews.com at TSN Mike on Twitter on the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline. We'll come back with our final segment after this timeout. This day in UK history is presented by the new Rave On app. You can download that and interact with fellow Big Blue fans during games about bad calls, big plays, etc. It's R-A-V-E, Rave On. This day in uh, 2005, uh, Kentucky went down to Alabama, beat the 16th-ranked Crimson Tide, 78-71. Patrick Sparks had one of those days. He was, as they say, in the zone with 26 points, seven threes, he couldn't get the ball fast enough to uh, get the shot off. He was uh, so hot. Happy birthday to Benny Snell, Jr. Uh, he celebrates a birthday tomorrow. Today, former Kentucky basketball player Chuck Alexinas celebrating a birthday. We'll see you Monday on The Leach Report. Have a good weekend, everybody. Thanks for listening to The Leach Report. Make sure you check out the podcast page at Tom Leach KY.